Welcome to the Rhythm Changes Podcast. I'm your host, Will Chernoff, and this episode is sponsored by 12th Street Sound and Anthony Santorini, the owner and engineer at this recording studio in New Westminster. Let me give you an example of something that I did at 12th Street Sound that just came out recently. It's my own EP released under the name William Chernoff called Hometown. And on this EP, like many of the other projects I've done, I turn to Anthony to record and mix the music. And whenever I do that, he gives me all the space I need to craft my story as an artist, and he gives me recordings that stand up to the best of the best. He has great ears, and he's recorded some of my most successful music. You can check out 12th Street Sound today at 12thstreet.ca slash booking to tell Anthony about your next project for 2022. And when you hit the book now button, tell him that the RCP sent you. So that's 12thst.ca slash booking to get going on your new music project today and tell Anthony that the RCP sent you. This episode is sponsored by Railtown Mastering, an audio mastering studio in Vancouver led by Andrew Downton. Mastering is the final step for finishing the music that you've recorded and mixed. And my top recommendation for getting your music mastered in Vancouver this year is with Andrew at Railtown. I've turned to him to master many of my own releases. And everyone I work with trusts that when we send him music, he always sends us back music that sounds better. So if you want to learn more about what Andrew does, whom he's worked with, and what to do after you submit your mixes to him for mastering, you can visit his website, railtownmastering.com. To contact him about getting your music mastered, email andrew at railtownmastering.com or find him on social media at railtownmastering. That's andrew at railtownmastering.com or visit railtownmastering.com to learn more today. It can be so lonely being a musician when you're just, you know, you're out in the world, you're gigging, but you're gigging at weird times. You don't get to like see what normal people do. And there's always that fear that you're like, oh God, if I'm sick, will I lose this gig forever? But there's just so much trust and support between us all that this gig is really important to me. Happy Wednesday and coming to you from New Westminster, BC, it's the Rhythm Changes podcast, the only weekly interview podcast about jazz and creative music in Canada. On this show, I bring you my favorite kind of conversations from the world of music, the kind that you have before, in the intermission of, and after shows, where you just get to hang with people and find out what they're all about. I'm very pleased to have a guest who is at my favorite genre intersection, right in between jazz and folk. That's up next. Our guest today is a vocalist and keyboardist who released her second album, Light Up the Dawn, on April 8th, 2022. The Permanent Rain Press has described her first album, A Storm Came Through, as experimental and bold, but at the same time, it feels minimal, effortless. You can find her on Facebook, Instagram, and Bandcamp under her own name and stream Light Up the Dawn anywhere. So please welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast, Emily Best. Hello. How are you doing today? (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? Good, good. I appreciate the chance to talk about your excellent music. I love jazz. I love folk. I've lived my musical life so far in both of those areas big time. So I really enjoyed hearing your album and I encourage everybody who likes either jazz or folk and who has touched on my journeys there to go check it out. Awesome. Thanks. There's two particular things I really love about this album, even versus your last one, which I also enjoyed. And the first one is that I think you're a great arranger. I think when you play through your material, 
whether it's in the studio on this album or in some of the live videos that I've seen of your performances over the last couple of years, when you encounter these spaces within your arrangements, you don't shy away from them. And it doesn't sound like you're timid about what to do next. It seems you really delight in the spaces that you make within your arrangements and fill it with your ideas and your personal style on the keyboard, etc. So what can you tell me about how you've grown as an arranger specifically? Yeah, I feel like I almost have too many ideas <laughs> a lot of the time. And I'm sure it's a joke about most instrumentalists, but like piano players were always kind of like filling filling everything in. So I think the 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 important thing for me to kind of remember is like space is good. Space is good. I don't know. The most exciting part for me, and I and I have to be careful not to get too carried away, is just having like just infinite possibilities. Yeah, I think that's the most exciting part is when the songs are kind of done and then you think, well, now what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to capture them in this in this way? And how can I best articulate, you know, the intention of the song or the essence of the song, um, at least in this moment, because it always changes. Yeah, it's a fascinating project because there are a lot of band members and there's even quite a bit of turnover from A Storm Came Through to Light Up the Dawn. And we can talk about that. But what I notice when you play solo, like when you performed at Knox United Church and when you're just playing that grand piano and you're by yourself, I still hear all the little bits and pieces that show up in the arrangements on the record. So that's what piqued my interest in you as an arranger, I guess. So it seems like you really think about all that stuff pretty comprehensively beforehand and when you bring everybody together you know what you want everybody to play yeah yeah it's um that's been kind of the coolest part is like I didn't even know that I was an arranger for a really big chunk of my life like I I just always had those extra melodies I think that's been like probably the coolest part to discover is the possibility of like you make a song but then you get to produce it and like it's a whole other journey of, of writing and I think that's been uh, probably the most I get the most excited I think about that step of it and then and then it's like I'll have a bunch of different versions of the music so I'll have I'll have kind of like a, a zillion different arrangements so sometimes those kind of work their way when I'm playing solo it's kind of I can forget sometimes which arrangement I went with for the album or which which chart I gave to uh, <laughs> to a musician. Oh. <laughs> but oh, yeah. um, but it's helpful to have, you know, it's like this is a snapshot in time of what we did together. And so it's nice to kind of listen back to the recordings and be like, oh, yeah, that's what we settled on. That's what we decided. And even in the mixing process, um, there's a lot that you kind of take out and you're like, you know what, that's too much there. Let's leave some space or um, let's add that other part that we kind of like did but we weren't sure about it's kind of cool to hear like even just there's so much that can change from the beginning part of the process to the to the end yeah you talked about not always thinking of yourself as an arranger and that makes me wonder about your own musical background up to this point because i actually don't know that much about that i'd love to hear a little bit more about that i think you grew up in south surrey or white walk is that right yeah 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 does that mean you went to one of the high school music programs around there? So I lived in proximity to the very cool uh, music program down the road, which was Semi's jazz program, which has like just yeah spawned so many amazing musicians from White Rock. And I went to the French immersion school down the road because my parents wanted me to stay in French. 
but I would sneak there after school and see if I could kind of sneak into the band room. And if someone was sick, if the piano player was sick, I would, I would get to sit in. So my, my jazz training, at least at the high school level, was pretty informal. I was just kind of lurking around the band room of a school that wasn't mine. <laughs> and, oh. uh, and then eventually I actually got to play in their, their high school musical just because I happened to be there. But uh, I was, yeah, I was very keen because our, our program wasn't as established. So we didn't have, I didn't join our band program. We didn't have a lot going on. And I mean, no offense to our old school's band teachers listening. But yeah, so my, I, I did get private lessons though. So I was, I was lucky that I, I was learning piano from my uncle. I was learning how to read charts and I had some background. So I was able to kind of supplement with that. Nice. And then you've talked about how you often drew inspiration from the Vancouver Jazz Festival here while you were a university student. So which university program did you go to after that? So I went to VCC, their music program. I went to writing school before that. I went to UVic for a few years. So that was kind of right out of high school. And then I dropped out to do music because I wanted to do that. Very nice. Best decision I ever made, I think. Um, (laughs) So yeah, so I lived in Victoria for a while. And then yeah, when I moved here in 2010, just kind of like fell right into a group of musicians and kind of the rest is history. I think just like VCC is such a tight knit makes it sound closed off, but it's like, just like we're really close. There's some kind of special thing I feel with like people that went to VCC you know, we didn't even have to go to school at the same time to be like, hey, cool, like, you know, want to play a gig with me or like, it's just so inclusive. And so it's been a great way to meet so many, so many different artists. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to learn more about this VCC community, because my bias is that I come from the CAP community. That is definitely my home base. And many of the guests I've had on this podcast have come from that community. But I look forward to getting to know more VCC people on the Rhythm Changes podcast. So I appreciate you bringing that up. And I'm, I'm looking forward to learning more about that program too. Yeah, it's cool. I just, I feel like uh, I, I have a lot of anxiety and, and a lot of, um, I was very afraid to apply to music school. And like, I, I had thought about it in high school and, and somewhere along the way, just kind of, kind of chickened out and was like, you know, I'm, I'm too scared. I'm, I'm too scared to do this. And just the whole process of, of even applying to VCC, like it, it was just the warmest, friendliest vibes, like their administrators are so welcoming. And right from the earliest stages where I was like, I don't know, I don't know, I'm too afraid. And uh, they're like, no, come on in. It's like, it was like a hug. And I needed that, uh-huh. I think, after university. So <laughs> That's really sweet. Which of yeah. the faculty made the biggest impact on you in those kind of formative years after you finally decided, okay, I'm going to music school, I'm leaving the writing program, I'm doing this? Who were the teachers and the mentors that were important to you? Alan Matheson. I don't know if you know him. Just really, He made a big impact on me too, but what's your story with him? I I think it's just his energy. Like, I don't know, just seeing him in the halls. He like, he knows everything about everything (laughs) that happened. (laughs) He knows like what all the jazzers had for lunch on the day that they like went into the studio in like 1966. (laughs) Like, like he's just, I just was like in awe by how, I think just his passion for music. And this, this one time I I drove him home from, uh, we had like a classic jazz ensemble gig. It was like our year end thing. And I was like, Alan, do you want to lift home? And yeah, we were talking about like some Bill Evans, 
record and everything he said just blew my mind. I, it probably blew my mind to the point where I can't fully remember it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I was like, whoa, cool. Yeah. And he was like, well, I'll, I'll send you some stuff when I get home. And I was like, yeah, like if it was me, I'd be like, yeah, I'll send it to you later and I'll probably forget. It was like I saw him like run up the steps and then like within like probably 10 seconds, he'd sent me the files. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, man... So I don't know, just the just the sincerity and like the passion, and I felt yeah. like um, BCC kind of felt like every everybody had like their own every instructor house. had like yeah their own house like their own yeah. magical power. So it was like when we were kind of like learning how to conduct, we're all just like in there with our little wands and our our pencils conducting, and then like you go to the next class and we're all like trying to sing solfege, and I was just like, man, <laughs> this is the best. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny you brought up 2010 because I met him in 2010 when I was a young teenager and I did the Douglas College Summer Jazz Intensive. Two instructors who really made an impact on me and blew me away with their knowledge and their expertise and how generous they were were Al Matheson and Ross Taggart. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I always wanted to meet Ross. I always saw him from far away. Yeah, and he spent a lot of time at the Summer Jazz Intensive that year showing us stuff on the piano too, which was amazing. Wow. Yeah, That's there's so lots cool. of great mentors here. So everybody's got their own little stories about them. Obviously, so lucky. we don't have time to speak about all the ones you've had, but that's a good one. Thanks for sharing that one. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. So that was the early 2010s, so to speak. You showing up there around 2010. You start putting out your own material for the first time, not till 2018, when you drop that two-track live demo that features two tracks, which later showed up on A Storm Came Through, your first album. So what did you do musically? Not in the sense of like, oh, what's this gap on your resume? But just what else <laughs> did you experience out there? <laughs> you know, 2010 to 2018 or whatever. Yeah, like like the school, the school years um, were really formative. Um, so from 2010 to 2013, I was in a couple different groups with people I met at school. Um, so I was in this group called Bad Translator. How would you even describe it? kind of like progressive jazz, like kind of jazz rock. But that was cool. That was like a lot of uh, playing other people's arrangements, which always made me a little nervous. And because um, I was like, oh, God, I got a sight read. And <laughs> <laughs> Were you playing keys and singing or just playing keys? Uh, just keys for that one. Yeah. And then um, and then I joined this other band or we kind of we kind of joined forces together behind um, my friend Jonah Ocean. Nice. Yeah. He just had these really amazing compositions and it was kind of just this like hodgepodge of music kids. We were all working together on on that stuff. And so I was doing some vocals and kind of learning how to use like main stage and get a little bit more into sound design. That was a few years. And and then after that, another person that I went to school with and friend, uh, Jeanette King. Oh, nice. Um, so she was, we, <laughs> we had this... Uh, this plan to because she was moving to Montreal and we were like well I want to go to Montreal so maybe we can do a moving tour let's just tour you out there so we got a U-Haul and we learned her album and like everybody that wanted to go to Montreal we all we just made this band happen and uh yeah it was like the most fun ever it was such a such a great tour so we toured across Canada and um got to play her music and, and promote her album I guess a year later, I don't, it, you know, Montreal, like, it was on my, on my sites for a really long time. So I was kind of like dabbling. I'd spent my summers there. I hadn't actually experienced the winter. So 
without ever having been there in the winter, I was like, I'm just going to move there. So I moved there with my partner at the time, and uh, who was a drummer, and uh, he still plays the drums. Um, yeah, so we we ended up playing. Uh, we kind of like re got reunited, and we had like a little little group of friends out there. So it was a really cool place to to meet new musicians and and get to play more of Jeanette's music and write together. And I guess when I was there, that's kind of where I started. You know, I was <laughs> I was unemployed, and it was kind of a half baked plan because I <laughs> I like messed up my paperwork for EI and it, it <laughs> I was already there. So um, I was like, oh, okay, I gotta, I gotta figure this out. Like I, I just moved to Montreal and I don't have a plan. So I was playing lots of music and I was also, I had a lot of time to write. So that's, I think, where a lot of my ideas kind of came. Then I guess on the uh, kind of sudden departure that I had from Montreal um, after a breakup was kind of when all those songs really sprouted and came to life. So I ended up back in my parents' basement on the West Coast. That's kind of what created that first album. And then, yeah, so I was kind of just finalizing some of the songs. I think that's where, yeah, like Bridges and Cars. Some of them I'd kind of already had written for a few years, but then I think the majority of that album was like new, kind of steeped in heartbreak. And then I guess... Kind of from there, like had to find my way back into Vancouver, which was tough during a housing crisis. And yeah, it was just, it was a long, it's been like pretty long, several years, actually, even just like through many relationships have come and gone. And uh, it's it's pretty interesting just having the music, like just be my lifeline, but also kind of be this mirror, I guess, of kind of what it's like a little delayed and then also a little prophetic. <laughs> So yeah. it's interesting. You mentioned Bridges and Cars, the first track on your first album, A Storm Came Through. And that album, plus this one, Light Up the Dawn, they do feel like a continuous story a bit. Because even though within each album, you do have quite a range of sounds where sometimes it really is rock and indie rock. Sometimes it's a little bit more R&B or soul influenced, especially on the first album. And then sometimes it really feels more folky with this kind of expansive arrangement and all these different acoustic instruments going on but the two albums are pretty similar to each other and light up the dawn does sound kind of like a refinement of the first album a little bit to me so it makes sense if what you're saying is well they kind of come from the same batch of songs from the same period of time that influenced you personally is that kind of what you mean well it it is interesting because like they 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 are pretty far apart like timeline wise some of them like the earliest songs kind of probably even predate montreal okay yeah but then i think it's the the completion of them that kind of ties into this similar timeline like the arrangements and and everything honing that part of it and i guess kind of leading up to that i had i was working on because it, it had been recorded and finished, and there's always, like, that final, like, oh, I gotta do all the other stuff that I don't know how to do to release this thing. So I was actually working on the next music already. There was a, bit, a pretty sudden shift when the pandemic hit. We deferred the recording session, and lockdown happened, and all of a sudden I was like, you know what? I actually am once again kind of going through this internal kind of spiritual crisis. I have to now figure out what I'm trying to say because I want to make sure that I'm being authentic to what I'm experiencing. We deferred it a little a little bit longer so that I could actually have some time to change some of the songs and I wrote a couple new ones. So there's a couple that are just like super fresh, like uh, Easier was a brand new one and what else was new? 
That might have been the newest one. That makes sense because you described that one as a thank you letter to all my loved ones. That's what you said at the Knox United Church concert. And that does make sense. If that's like the last one, you're kind of reflecting back on everything you've been up to, right? So you're feeling that gratitude, right? (laughs) Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, yeah, the pandemic's been uh, pretty, pretty rock and roll, but it's... um, yeah, there's like a lot of a lot of anger on this on this album, but also like it, it's not even so much anger so much as just like high voltage, like just intensity. And I think that's kind of what we're all, you know, if we're tapped into the collective experience, like, you know, I think probably most people are feeling that. Yeah. About half of your ensemble played on both albums, and then you do have two different rhythm sections, one on one and one on the other. You got a couple other people who swap in and out, but I'm thinking first of the people who you've worked with on both albums. Are these people who you've known the entire time, like pre and post Montreal, or do the relationships for the people who played on these albums right now, do they come from after you came back? So yeah, so Elisa, uh, the harpist, I've, I've known her for a long time, and, and she's a good friend. Peggy, I asked uh, if Peggy was free for the first album, and Peggy was actually out of town. So then I got Chris Sheppa to do it, and she did a phenomenal job. Yeah, it's funny. I, 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 know, uh, I know everybody from like all these funny, like different little ways of knowing people. Like some people like live in other people's basements or um, like, <laughs> you know, their old teachers or uh, their friends of friends or some people I've just like had these like musical crushes on for ages. And I'm just like, whoa, I've been inspired by you since I was like in high school. Um, so I thought I'd take a chance and see if they were free and send them some music. And so it's, it's kind of a hybrid with everybody. And I can be specific about who I like kind yeah. of like cold well, there's called, some big names but... on there because like you had tony wilson playing guitar on the first album you had josh suvat playing violin on the first album before he brought meredith bates in on the second one right so those would maybe strike me as some of those people right yeah yeah well um tony was like probably i probably know tony the like the least personally or what i had asked him and um have known him maybe the longest like of him and his music and yeah, I was like shaking when I sent the email and I was like, oh, he's going to say no, he's going to hate it. Ah. <laughs> and, uh, and my fear is always like people are going to be mad at me. So I was like, why? I don't know why he'd be mad at me, but <laughs> he's going to be mad at me for asking. So uh, I was like, I'm just curious, like, can I pay you? Uh, and uh, yeah, he was just into it right right away. And like, just I, I got a really positive response. And he, when he got into the studio, <laughs> he was like, can I just stick around for another one? And so he just, he laid down more guitar than I thought he was going to. And, you know, he's just so, so humble and like, just like the sweetest, most gentle human and just would kind of sit down and have an idea. Be like, well, what do you think? Is, is this okay? And you're like, this is the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> you just keep playing. <laughs> so that was, yeah, my experience with Tony. And yeah, similarly with Josh, uh, I'd probably had more conversations with Josh in real life uh, leading up to it, but it was still still pretty nerve wracking to ask these people that you really idolize. And we know each other, but um, there is still so much like awe and uh yeah, I don't know. Just that that fear of like showing somebody your music and it's like, oh my God, if they don't like it, I'm going to be so embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> and you did a show two weeks ago. It was a live stream on Side Door. 
you performed on March 24th. It was probably a cozy little backyard thing if I saw it right when I checked it out. I wish I could have heard the whole thing, but you played pretty much the entirety of both albums with most of the same musicians who recorded Light Up the Dawn with you. Is that right? Yeah, it was It was awesome. It was, it was such a cool way to do a show because... I just, uh, yeah, I was just sitting, sitting on my bed watching and, um, I was like, man, this is great. I can just like sit here and it's like, feels kind of funny cause you're just watching yourself. Yeah. It was really nice. Like it was so cool to like hear people's thoughts and connect in the chat. Uh, Chase, the videographer who I worked with, he tied everything together so well. It was like a really neat chance to just add a few artist statements and I it just got me thinking a lot about the album and what what was going through my mind when I was kind of with both albums because I've had a lot of time to think <laughs> in the last couple of years yeah. and um <laughs> it's uh yeah it was neat like a neat way to just kind of experience music in kind of a slower format in the way that one would just kind of a film and I got the joy of two shows out of it because I got to play for people I love and then I also got to watch it and, and share that with people I love and, and that was that was pretty cool. Okay, so you performed for a live audience and you recorded it and then you broadcast that recording later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, no, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, just kind of leading up to it. I was like really looking forward to seeing what it used to be like because we filmed it in August and it was like we all just kind of felt transported to like a, a hot summer day so it was kind of cool too oh okay yeah that's neat yeah that period of time yeah to, to watch yeah. it back would be really cool then as far as gigs go the other gig that i'm aware of when i think about you and what you've been up to is that you often play at the sandbar restaurant on granville island is this a place where you work out your keys playing and singing on just a whole bunch of different tunes. Do you work out your own music there? Do you try things? What do you actually play? And how do you feel about that whole thing? Because it seems like a recurring gig for you. Yeah, that is the craziest thing. I love that gig so much. I've had this gig for three plus years. Once again, just kind of stumbled into it through a music colleague and was like, what, you guys want me back next week? Okay. So <laughs> I've just, and then ever since yeah. I just was, I was became like the Friday guy. So I was playing every Friday night. It's just, it's been incredible. Like throughout the pandemic, they're so committed to keeping music alive. So yeah, even when businesses were really hurting, they were, they were like, we got to find a way to keep you guys here and keep you guys employed. And yeah, so they just found ways and they brought us back as soon as they could. And so that's been cool. So now I'm actually, I'm gigging three days a week. So it's pretty much like sustaining me, which is amazing. It's just like a really free environment to practice songs. And it's a choose your own adventure a little bit. And you can kind of tell when you, you take a chance on something and it doesn't land. But uh, huh, it's yeah. a pretty forgiving audience. Right. So you said us. Does that mean there's other people doing different time slots or do you play there with other musicians? Oh, yeah. It's just other people. So we have um, this, yeah, this dorky little um, thing. We, we call ourselves the Alliance. So we've kind of like, <laughs> we're, we're, we just, we're kind of like a little, our own little union. So we, you know, we connect with each other, make sure we all kind of know like how the gear is going and like if there's any updates or like things that we need to talk about and it's nice because it, it's like it can be so lonely being a musician when you're just you know you're out in the world you're gigging but you're gigging at weird times you don't get to like see what normal people do and um so it's <laughs> nice yeah having friends and like having co-workers so yeah we've got this really great 
great little group of people and we just support each other and you know if we're sick and and we have to fill in for each other there's always that fear that you're like oh god if I'm sick and will I lose this gig forever you know but it's um there's just so much trust and support between us all that it just doesn't feel like that it feels like I'm a part of part of the staff and feels good Right, because if you missed a time, you know, you could call on these people to cover for you and maybe they're going to do the same thing for you, right? And so you can kind of keep each other solid together. Yeah, yeah. And just kind of that, like, people with that understanding that, like, yeah, like, I, I depend on this gig and this gig is really important to me. So I think most people know that now. They, like, I, anytime I talk about the sandbar, they're like, oh, she, here she goes. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> Well, hey, you got me for the first time, so I'm cool to hear about it. Cool, cool. Yeah, I could, I because I could talk forever about it. Yeah. Well, if you, <laughs> like me, have not heard Emily perform at the Sandbar, go follow her on social media and find out when that's happening. Go make it happen. Listen to the album first so that you know when she plays an original there. <laughs> <laughs> My biggest takeaway from this is I really enjoyed meeting you. I think you have a fascinating story that I really didn't know anything about coming in, and now I feel like I know you a bit better. I look forward to seeing you around this community and hearing you play music from here on. And thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Awesome. Thanks, Will. This was fun. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Rhythm Changes podcast. If you enjoyed this, I invite you to sign up to the free weekly article that I write. And this week's article was actually an announcement about 22 other articles that I've written in the past because I've collected a series of writing that I did throughout the year 2021 called Artist Earnings and made it all available for the first time. You can find that and sign up for future free weekly articles right on our homepage at rhythmchanges.ca. Mm-hmm.